Jen, it's Monday night, and I know there's something that made you do a spit take. What'd you disagree with this week? Well, Brandon, um, I'm actually annoyed at you for putting Christian Kirk in my head. Okay. <laughs> after after our conversation last week, I started doing a little research, and I'm like, I see this quote from Trevor Lawrence says he's great from a football IQ sense. I think he's really QB friendly. The way he sees the field, different coverages unfold, the way he runs routes. And I'm like, ah. so then I'm looking, I'm like, okay, so he's going as an eighth rounder, right? His, his ADP is 91 right now. He's going near Russell Gage, who's, you know, a what, wide receiver three on his team? And, Kirk is, the, and Kirk is the wide receiver one. So I hate you because now I'm back on Christian. So that is my anger of the week. I don't know how much redraft I'm going to have. I have all the best balls. I'm talking best ball. No, I'm talking best ball too. Yeah. I, he's going to get those spike weeks, and he's he's, he's oh. never slowly. And I keep drafting him. I I, I feel I feel slightly vindicated, and I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. With me, as always, are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Uh, like I were talking before the show, I actually got to do the other hobby outside of fantasy football that I love doing is homebrewing, so I took advantage of the holiday today in order to do that. After six years of having a crib with two children, I, uh, I'm... I'm excited and and oddly I a little sniffly like I'm a little of a little course sad. yeah right. totally. you know uh, but the little one's very excited to have a toddler bed so she's excited and uh, and I'm excited because I've been drafting a lot of best ball and uh, so if folks listeners if you want to go out and draft some best ball as well uh, get in on some early action use our promo code where you deposit ten dollars at least ten dollars in a new underdog account and get a deposit bonus match plus a 4 for 4 pro subscription enter 4 for 4 4 for 4 in the promo code box over at underdog uh and uh yeah i can't wait to do more best ball we're going to talk today about some late best ball targets on underdog uh which is going to you know be featuring an article that jen wrote last week late last week that is is must read and very very worth reading uh but before we get too far into that chris i want to hear what kind of stat of the week that you brought All right. So this is actually an idea that I've been toying around with for the past, I don't know, a few months or so, but it's just looking at wide receivers and the different archetypes or just how wide receivers are deployed on the field and what they're being asked to do. And so in order to do this, I took a look at just the average depth of target for wide receivers that are have scored in the top 12 since like 2012. And one of the things that kind of stuck out to me is that the average depth of target for wide receivers just this past year uh, the median wide uh, average at the target for all the wide receivers in the top 12 last year was down to 10.3. Last year, it was like 11.7. And in past years, it's been even higher. And which kind of makes sense to me, because if you're thinking about like Cooper Cup just this past year, and even guys like Hunter Renfro and other guys, like other like players that we consider to be slot receivers, but they also have, they run a diverse route tree. They have a diverse skill set and they can be deployed and they can be deployed on the field in different ways. And so that kind of 
changes from how we looked at wide receivers back in, let's say, even 2015, 2014, 2013. Because if you just think about the wide receivers that we were drafting back then, whether it was Calvin Johnson, whether it was like A.J. Green in his prime, Julio Jones, like in his prime as well. I mean, these were your prototypical X receivers who had that type of skill set, but still they were catching balls like farther and farther down the field. But now with the average depth of target dropping for or just the even depth of target for passing also kind of dropping back year over year, it's just interesting to see how the game has kind of changed and also the way that we're viewing or the production from a fantasy sense has also started to change. Like Mike Evans has changed from the way that he was being deployed on the field from having a larger A dot back in like 2016, 2017 to his A dot actually dropping just this past year. So I don't know. I mean, for you guys, I mean, do you even like get into that sort of thing where you're just looking at that type, or like when you do you think about that type of archetype, uh, or just even how the players are deployed on the field, or you just typically look at targets? Because that's how I've kind of looked at it in the past. But I thought it was interesting to see that how wide receivers, or even primary wide receivers on the teams, are being used on their on their own teams or on the field itself. It's just different how the game has kind of changed and how we can possibly. I don't know. I think there's a way we can find an edge in some of that. I don't know, Jen. Like, what do you think about? I guess when you uh, even look at, let's say, the Denver Broncos wide receivers, like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, like we know they're being deployed differently. Does that change the way that you feel about either of the two, or is it really just kind of, a, I don't know, a feel-based thing versus looking at the numbers like I have? I think it depends on the actual receivers. Like the, the specific example that you gave, um, I don't know if I'm looking at that, but maybe I should be now that you are <laughs> now that you brought it up and we're talking about it. Um, I think with, with Judy and Sutton, you know, I, I kind of look at, Judy last year and kind of what he had going on and, and where his, I guess, weaknesses were and how he did not live up to what we thought he was going to be. He also didn't have the quarterback that we wanted him to have either. So, um, but I think it's interesting. It is an interesting thing that you brought up. And I think a lot of people just straight up look at targets and don't look at where, the, where those balls are going and how they're running. And I think that is something that we need to evolve, you know, with our analysis and with, you know, as like as, as analysts and as drafters, you know, it's something that, um, you know, the more info that comes out in the world, the, the better the better we are at this game. So, uh, yeah, I think it's something that we should be looking into. Yeah, and I think, Brandon, kind of kicking to you real quick, it's just how not just the game has evolved, but just how wide receivers kind of evolve along with it. Because if you think about, like, I know I used the example about Mike Evans, but think about Tyreek Hill. Like, when it was Tyreek Hill and Alex Smith, he was, it was the deep threat. Like, that was the deep ball that really brought him onto at least our radars as fantasy analysts or even just a, like for even real NFL. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, watch this short guy who can run like, you know, four two speed, just go flying down the field. But Tyreek Hill and I even think like Matt Harmon talked about like Tyreek Hill is just more than a deep threat and he can be more than a deep threat. And he's shown that he can be that. And that's why he's been able to stay at the, in the upper echelon of wide receivers going from a, I think like a 15 yard average depth of target in 2016, 2017, when he first came on the map all the way down to, I think it was around like 11 just this past year where he, I think he had like a 50% target share from within the slot. So it's just, I think it's interesting that we can see wide receivers themselves start to evolve. And we're not just trying to, I don't know, pigeonhole some of these guys into whatever archetype we, we typically like to put them in. I mean, do you do the same thing when you're trying to figure out, okay, like what type of player is this and like, how should we type to, or try to evaluate them? Like from a fantasy perspective? Oddly, I, I do a lot of it when I'm looking at quarterbacks, uh, <laughs> uh, when they get new weapons, I start looking at the types of targets that, uh, 
the new receiver has done in the past and uh, where they've won, which is where Matt Harmon comes in handy a lot. Um, I start looking at that and I start seeing if that was a hole on the team and what that offensive system works and whether or not I think that that's going to create a bonus for the quarterback. As far as the receiver, when I'm looking at ADOT, what I do is, and I recommend everybody do this, I Google uh, Chris Allen four for four. <laughs> and then I read the last three things that this uh, this gentleman named Chris writes for four for four. And usually he brings up a dot at some point. And then uh, and then I got a nice little uh, little influx of information that helps me with the receiver. But I'll be I'll be honest, um, outside of looking at that stuff to try and find uh, new team fits and new team impact uh i tend to i tend to look mostly at targets they got targets this last year uh part of that is in, in some ways the influx of ppr leagues like I, I rarely see a standard league so i'm chasing targets more than i was when i was uh you know when i was younger and i could go i i'm really gonna date myself but where i could draft guys like darnay scott and draft guys like alvin harper based on the quanti- the quality of targets that they got rather than uh, the number, but now in PPR formats, like I'm chasing slot receivers. I'm, I'm enjoying uh Jamison Crowder, you know, and I'm enjoying players like that. So it's, it's, it's a different ball game, but I I'm with Jen in that the more information that you can create with something like this, and the more information that you can bring in, the better prepared you are to draft and find those nuggets because everybody's savvy. Now you're not finding the, the sneaky guy anymore, even casual leagues, everybody's super fantasy savvy. Yeah, exactly. And I think to your point, like I, I don't know either of those two names that you just mentioned. <gasps> <laughs> that was back I, when you had to play fantasy football. You don't snow. know Darnay Scott? Barefoot in the snow both ways oh. uphill. Darnay Scott, Scott was the, the Carl Pickens counterpart for the Bengals when they were throwing all over the place in the oh, 90s. wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was Car- Carl Pickens was the prototype possession receiver you know he'd move the chains and you get you know red zone target a darnay scott was just sprinting downfield it was uh that was a, those were fun Bengals teams to watch they didn't win a lot but they were fun to watch offensively but see, that's all i've heard from like the just the Bengals fans that have been around much longer than myself yeah uh, jeff blake man yeah yeah see, that, that i that i remember i remember jeff blake but man mm-hmm. that's interesting because i went all the way back to 2012 just like while i was doing research for uh, for today and the only name that i didn't recognize like kind of scrolling through like fantasy pros like looking other stuff on like uh, pff and whatnot uh, andre roberts i think that was the only name that like i didn't recognize everybody else so it's like oh yeah like oh i don't know before. andre roberts come on chris he, he doesn't read my returners article that's the I only was way to say yeah. <laughs> jen yeah. edits my returners article she's been reading about andre roberts for years <laughs> oh okay see that i was just like that was the only name that like didn't did not ring a bell like when sure. i first saw it because you go through all the rest i mean you think like top 12 since like for the past let's say what eight nine seasons i mean you come across i mean just some uh, Doug Baldwin. I mean, of course, Larry Fitz like hits it. You know, Doug like, Baldwin was quarter. good for a while. Doug Baldwin for was fantasy. So much, he, was, he was so much fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, but like Deshaun Jackson actually got on there a couple of times, and I think he was like the only, I would say, just pure speed, like deep threat, because you know that he really didn't have like just massive, like diverse route tree, but he still got in like 2012, 2013, just because like, th- th- I mean, his quarterbacks were throwing him those deep bombs. And he was able to connect. So like those types of guys, but then you have your Jarvis Landry's. I mean, you had your Odell, like his rookie season, I mean, even going all the way back to like Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, there was just like some of those names like, oh yeah, Brandon Marshall. Just like, oh, I remember all these guys, but yeah, Andre Roberts, huh? I'll have to do like my history. Uh, it's not so good, <laughs> but, but yeah. 
In your defense, he plays for a different team every year. Every year he comes in. I was going to say, yeah. yeah, you can right. Top five in kick return yardage, and then that moves on to a different team next ah, year. <laughs> all right. All right. So learn a bit more every day, even as I'm researching this stuff. <laughs> all right. No, thank you for bringing that, Chris. That's very interesting and exactly the type of information that, uh, that I looked to you to bring me, which I love. Uh, let's get to our main topic, which is part one of a uh, underdog best ball strategy. We're going to do uh, late round targets this week. Next week, we're going to talk uh, mid round targets in best ball formats. And then we're going to finish up with early round targets and uh, what to do with your early picks to make sure that you set yourself up nicely. But uh, if you haven't checked out Jen's article on four for four, go check it out. It's 12 late round underdog best ball targets for 2022. Uh, Jen, I want to start with you and see, can you kind of, uh, summarize how your approach differs in the later rounds when you're doing best ball versus normal redraft? Yeah. I mean, in best ball, I think that, you know, the general consensus at least, or at least, you know, what I, what I do uh, is you want to get guys that have the potential to have a couple spike weeks. I mean, you when you're grabbing guys in rounds 15, 18, whatever, they're not going to be game winners or league winners. I mean, they may end up due to attrition or due to something else that happens throughout the season. But for the most part, you're looking for those guys that may have, you know, a couple spike weeks, a random week where they have three touchdowns out of nowhere or, you know, something like that that's going to propel your team above the guys that are in front of you in best ball. So um, you're also looking for uh, guys with really good matchups at the end of the season. Uh, we talked about, you know, TJ's article with week 17 guys, but uh, yeah, I think you're looking for guys in week 16 and 17 um, that have really good matchups, potential shootouts, um, you know, cause at that point you're, you're, you're getting teams wide receiver fours, maybe fives, you're getting a, you know, a running back three on a team or whatever. So you're looking for, you know, maybe they're going to rest somebody a little early or whatever, and they may have a spike week there. So I think in redraft is a different story because you're looking for bench fillers and bi-week fillers. This is not really bi-week fillers. It's more guys that could potentially just have these crazy weeks that can propel you above teams that are above you. So uh, let's let's start with your quarterbacks, and then we'll get Chris's take on the quarterbacks that you've selected in your article and uh, and his see if he has any differences in uh, in approach for best ball. I, but I agree, I'm chasing spike weeks and chasing end of the season stuff. So uh, the first quarterback that you mention in your article is Zachary Zach Wilson, uh, the the New York Jets mm. second year quarterback, phenom yeah. coming into camp loaded up he's got muscles yeah. like that's that's the news <laughs> this is my favorite time of the offseason right because all the news is it's all like overwhelming praise and it's all like uh you know things like that like his muscles are big like yeah that's a, listen that's a, i'd like to preface the whole situation <laughs> with the quarterback to me is pretty gross like i actually had a really hard time writing this section of the article i kept like trying to put someone in there and then i'm like no and then i just move on to a different position and come back so let's just start there that i don't love the fact of any of these three quarterbacks that i have in this article but i do think they all have you know they do have upside and they have their moments so yes zackety zack sure i mean the weight thing i just threw that in there because it's kind of funny but i do think that he is he is in a better spot you know they did surround him with some good weapons you know he got the first year out of the way he's in year two uh, you know, I mean, he's someone that right now is, you know, he's cheap and he's there. And I think that um, you're obviously not going to target him as somebody that you're going to want a, a lot of weeks from, but he could potentially have a couple, you know, good weeks, a couple matchups where they're playing a weaker team or a similar team and you get a crazy shootout and he throws three touchdowns. Maybe he runs for another one. 
and you know he'll kind of be like like everyone says you know the terminology of he's he's good in best ball he's he's that guy you're not taking him in redraft at all but you know every now and then to mix up your portfolio right and you can also get all of the pieces very cheap i mean other than you know Brees hall the rest of the jets are really cheap so if you want to if you want to stack them late you know if you grab say you know, a Josh Allen or Lamar or one of those guys up front and you just wait till the end and grab Zach and some of his pieces in between, I think it's, you know, a decent strategy. I'm actually with you. Like, it's cheap. It's cheap. You can stack that really easily. Elijah Moore's uh, draft stock plummeted after they took Garrett Wilson. Yeah. And, and I think he's going to be fine. Like, I think it's going to be a nice... Yeah, and then you've stack. got, you know, you've got, you know, CJ Uzuma, or I always say his name wrong, but him... Um, he's there and he's beyond cheap too. So you could throw him in the mix, uh, cause he may end up, you know, being better than we thought. Um, you know, he was good last year in Cincy and he's been decent in, in, you know, the year before. So he, you know, it's just, it's a cheap thing. I mean, it's not something like I don't head into a draft being like, all right, I'm going jets heavy, but you know, it can happen as you go farther. Um, do you want me to talk about the other two or are we going to go around and everyone else talk about who we have? Sure. Then we'll give Chris uh, a long period of time to discuss kind of his targets. Well, and, it's and Chris. So yeah, yeah so that's, that's going to happen. Uh, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Tell, tell me what you like about Daniel uh, <sighs> quotation mark will be in Chris Allen's streaming article every single week. Exactly. Uh, Jones. <laughs> I don't love Daniel Jones ever. He's, he's difficult to stomach. Um, once again, it is best ball. So you don't have to like, pay attention to all the interceptions that he throws or all the fumbles or him running and falling for no reason. You don't have to look at that when you're, you know, when you have him on a best ball team, but you know, similar thing, he's got a ton of weapons. They're all supposedly healthy. He's super cheap. He's a 15th rounder right now. You can get all of his weapons super cheap as well. So, you know, he's a guy that I, I don't love, but once again, if you're in that position, um, you know, he's a decent target. Uh, the third guy on this list is Jared Goff, who I do actually really like. And he's we even keep talking about yeah, him. I, love I know. It. Yeah, we had Evan Silva, uh, Silva on a couple weeks ago, and he, he likes him too. But he's super cheap. I mean, he's a 16th rounder right now in underdog. And, you know, other than like TJ Hawkinson and Amon Rossi Brown, like the rest of his his weapons are super cheap. Jamison Williams is cheap. You can even get Jamal Williams super late cheap. So I think he's another guy that everyone has kind of written off and, and – Yes, in real football, he's not fantastic. He's not sexy by any means, but he's someone that you can build on your best ball roster and think that maybe, you know, one week, you know him and TJ Hawkinson are going to have a three-touchdown game, you know, somewhere in there, right? At least they have, they have the potential to do so. So I feel like, you know, he's one of those guys that is kind of an afterthought right now, but he's pretty good in, in that format for best ball. I, I'm just going to be a Lions fan. Like, it's just fun to root for the, this it, team. It is, like, right? It's it, like kind it, of a yeah. harmless thing to root for at the same yeah. time. And we can all kind of rally together and root for them because they're kind of just <laughs> that team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, if you have anything on Zaggedy Zach or, or Daniel Jones or Jared Goff or pr- strategy, that's fine. But I also want to hear about uh, what quarterback you're targeting late. Sure. Uh, so from a strategy uh, standpoint, the articles that I've written on quarterback correlate to what Jen is talking about. The stuff that I wrote for FFPC actually saw, uh, actually found that these are essentially quarterbacks that you only need them for like the last few weeks of the season. For the past two years, all of the quarterbacks drafted in the late round that actually made it into the top 12 in win rate 
they had spike weeks in the f- last like few weeks of the regular season. Or the, the, let's just say the best ball regular season. So like by spike week, I just mean a top 12 week. That's all you needed in order to actually get your team over the hump and actually like put them in a position to win. Like they're paired with, let's say, early to mid-round quarterbacks that were considered QB1s. But again, these are guys that were castaways and we just needed them for just that like small short window in order to get them over the hump. Uh, for underdog, similar standpoint where they're just guys that we didn't like, whether it was Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger last year, Carson Wentz last year as well, or even going back to 2020, Jared Goff in 2020 before he got ousted from L.A., Derek Carr again. It's just these are guys that nobody really wants to draft, but we know that they're going to wind up in the top 12 at some point. Carson Wentz last year, nobody wanted to draft him. He uh, he wound up in the top 12 six times. So it's just that's the type of production that you're looking for for that late round guy. Carson Wentz still falls into that bucket this year, too. Nobody wants to draft him, but yet everybody wants to draft Terry McLaurin. Everybody still wants to draft like any of the other pass catchers. The tight ends still are looking pretty decent as well. So it's just that's the type of situation that you want to try and find are just the quarterbacks that nobody wants to draft because everybody's stuck on. Jalen Hurts or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford or essentially everybody down to, let's say, around quarterback 13 or 14. And then after that, nobody cares. So if nobody cares, that creates value. And there's still going to be weeks where those guys will wind up in the top 12. And since it's best ball and you don't have to worry about when that happens, that's that presents the value. That's, that is what allows you to draft most of those guys. And, and my guy is Matt Ryan. I mean, last year with a much worse supporting cast, Matt Ryan had four games of 300 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that's well within the range of outcomes for this year. He gets into the top 12 yet again. Then that was again, that was last year. But now he has Michael Pittman, who is skyrocketing up everybody's ranks this year. I mean, whether it's going to be Paris Campbell, whether it's going to be Alec Pierce, whether it's going to be Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, insert pass catcher name here. Everybody's excited about the Colts offense. Everybody's excited about their offensive line. Everybody's excited for the fact that Matt Ryan is an upgrade over Carson Wentz. So if everybody's excited about it, why doesn't Matt Ryan's ADP reflect that? Like something's got to give at some point. So with the ADP that is currently given right now, if I could pair him with any of the, let's say, mid-round quarterbacks that are currently going there, I hey, I think that is that screams value to me at that point because we know at some point Ryan should be able to pop off for I mean especially the games against what the Texans they play as the Jaguars too who are still I mean their defense is let's say replenished but still in somewhat of a disarray so I mean either way with with the division and also with the quarterback skill that we know Ryan has I mean he should have plenty of time to get into the top twelve throughout the twenty twenty two season so he's my late round target for sure. I like that. I like it. We're going to get to Naheem Hines here in a little bit to so a little spoiler here, but, uh, but yeah, I, I like that going after Ryan. I, I'm, I'm going after Davis Mills. He he's, yeah. he's really, really late. And uh, people are like, Oh, he's going to get pulled. Oh, he's not going to keep that job. But like Kyle Allen is his backup. Like they're not going to go to Kyle Allen and be like, let's give it to Kyle Allen and see if he's the guy. No, if Davis Mills stinks, they're going to stick with him all year and then draft somebody next season. So I, I think his job is safe. He was pretty good at the end of last year when he um, after he came back, he got benched and then came back. He was pretty good. Pep Hamilton is the new offensive coordinator. Uh, I think Lovey Smith is going to hand it to him. He's worked with Justin Herbert. He worked with Andrew Luck in, in Andrew Luck's heyday. Um, he's a longtime quarterback coach. So I think this is 
uh, the best scenario for Davis Mills from a coaching perspective. Uh, Brandon Cooks is an underrated weapon. Uh, John Mechie may come back at some point. I think he's a talented player. Brevin Jordan, I think, is going to be uh, have a breakout season as a tight end. So I don't think the team around him is bad. The line is decent. Uh, and he's the QB 28 on underdog. Right? You can win the 17th round. So uh, if I'm going late, I, I want a guy who's going to be starting. I want those spike weeks. I know Brandon Cooks is going to do it a couple times. That's a really cheap stack. I can pair up. Brandon Cooks is available in that area that we were talking about, Christian Kirk. So, yeah, yeah. Brandon will, Cooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I will say, based on our, our, our last week's episode, um, Chris, when we were talking about week 17 and you threw out the Houston-Jacksonville, I actually drafted a, a puppy on Underdog the other day where I had I have Trevor Lawrence and I had Davis Mills and I just, I stacked both of those teams. I had nice. another, I had I another quarterback. That. I went yeah. with, I, I took a mid round guy and then I took those two at the end and just stacked both of those teams. I had like James Robinson, all just all kinds of random um, guys it. from both of those teams. I'm like, you know what, what's the worst that can happen. Right. But I thought yeah. it was kind of a, a fun late round stack to mess with. Cause if that, like you said, if that week 17 ends up being this crazy weird shootout, you know, you never know what, what can happen there. And all those Jags receivers are cheap. They're all cheap. Yep. So it's 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 easy to do that stack. Yeah. Evan Ingram is in there too. Super oh, cheap. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why not? That's great stuff. I love it. All right. Let's get to uh, running back since you just mentioned James Robinson. Uh, James Robinson is featured on your article as someone to target in the late rounds. Uh, what do you like about Robinson, um, obviously, outside of week 17? Um, oh, sorry about that. No, I, you know what? I like Robinson because I feel, and I think Brandon, you kind of turned me on to him recently. We were talking about those, you know, him and, and Etienne, and they're both super cheap, not super cheap, but they're both cheaper um, for that backfield where it's not, you know, James Robinson has a habit of stealing the backfield and coming, you know, and coming into the season, everyone assumes that, you know, he's going to be kind of, I think it may be more of a 1A, 1B rather than a, you know, so I think. That, I mean, Robinson is coming off an injury. He's a little bit – they both are, but he's a little bit, you know, more behind um, than Etienne. But I think that it's one of those things where, you know, last year I feel like doesn't count, right? It, it's the Urban Meyer. Like, they didn't use that backfield at all. They didn't do what the – you know, it was just really bad usage, really bad volume uh, for James Robinson. And I feel like uh, based on where he's being drafted right now, which is in the 13th round, I feel like he's someone – that you can definitely target if you're going with a zero RB or a hero RB or anything like that. Um, he's a, like we said, he's a good cheap piece if you're going to stack the Jags. And I just like him there. I feel like there's other guys in that area that people are flocking to where I love to sprinkle in some Robinson. Cause I feel like, you know, all he does is go in there and steal jobs. So I feel like this might be another one of those seasons where now that he has a different, you know, a different coaching situation and urban Meyer is gone and they may actually use him properly. And he may be more of a, a one B as opposed to the backup. Two things, two things. Number one, um, I keep saying this and you're right. Like Doug Peterson could suck. I mean, be terrible. Right. And be a massive upgrade at coach over what yeah. the Jags had last year. I mean, you're that starting the- from the bottom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the absolute barrel bottom that you can possibly start from. That was the most disarray and horrible coaching I've seen in the NFL in my 40 years. You know what I mean? Like it just. (laughs) Um, And number two, the Robinson sprinkle needs to be a dance. I need this. I need the Robinson sprinkle. I kind of like that. Yeah. 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 Jen does the Robinson sprinkle. I mean, you get a you get a couple uh, diet cokes in her, and and you get and and you get the Robinson (laughs) sprinkle. (laughs) 
uh who's uh who's next i i see you've got khalil herbert on there who uh who i loved last year going into the draft i was excited to see him get an opportunity in chicago he played well uh you've got him featured as a late run target as well what do you like about herbert well i think that it's a situation where we don't really know what's going to happen in that offense and i think david montgomery you know i mean he's good or is he not like we're not 100 percent sure right he's kind of been heard and yes he had some good moments but I don't know if he can be the guy. I mean, he, if he's the guy, he's the guy. But I feel like Herbert kind of showed us what he can do. And I feel like he deserves to, you know, get some more volume this year. And I think, you know, based on where he's being drafted, he's RB51. I mean, why not? Yeah, he's definitely someone that that I do like. Um, I will say, though, I really like Gainwell. I, he's growing on me. Like, I, the more research that I did on him, I'm kind of like, wait a minute. I actually really... Um, feel like he's in a really good spot. I mean, he he had the highest target rate per snap last year at 16.8 on anyone on the Eagles. You know, he had the second largest team target share among rookies after Najee Harris. So I feel like he's kind of an afterthought, and I feel like, or at least from drafters, but I feel like that team, you know, Nick Sirianni, like they drafted him for a reason. And I feel like he's going to end up being a guy, especially in underdog or any kind of PPR format, uh, I think he's going to be, he's going to surprise some people, Um, you know, and he's a 14th rounder. And I think that, you know, if something were to happen to Miles Sanders, which, you know, we've seen that happen in the past, I feel like he can just go right in. And I think he's going to be a lot better than people are kind of giving him credit for in that offense this season. So I'm kind of secretly excited about him and he's been sneaking up on, on my, on my board a little bit. I like that. I like that. Chris, um, thoughts on Gainwell and your approach to late round running back targeting in best ball. So late round running back targeting is kind of akin to quarterbacks because we just want those spike weeks out of those guys. There's no expectation that they're going to come in and on a week to week basis have any sort of, let's say, standalone value, like outside of an injury. That's more for the middle round guys. Let's say like the Tony Pollard's of the world, the Alexander Madison's of the world, like the guys that we know could possibly have like some sort of like you know blip on the screen like tony pollard can like you know rush into the end zone something like that and wind up having a good week but it's just more of the guys that if something were to happen can they one take the starting role and two are they also going to be the primary worker like worker like from a rushing perspective on that team like is the team going to just summarily sign a veteran in order to create some sort of running back tandem and create that merc that we just don't want from a fantasy standpoint and those are the that's the archetype that we should be targeting and that's why Khalil Herbert was the perfect example for that because last year that's exactly what happened like we had no idea what what Herbert was going to be coming into the season the bears did and that's why they were just fine with giving him the rock and letting him run with David Montgomery's job, quite literally, like while Montgomery was injured. So those that's the type of archetype that we should be targeting, like once we get into the late rounds. And uh, so that's why I wholeheartedly agree with like all the things that like Jen was just saying and all of those guys, they are definitely on my on my list uh, as well. Uh, one guy that I'm looking at, I mean, Daryl Henderson, like he literally had that job last year. Like when Cam Akers was out, yeah. we thought we thought there was going to be all this murk because it was going to be him. What Jake Funk? Uh, what is it? Xavier? Uh, what was his last name? If Xavier I Woods. Yeah, the yeah, Xavier, Xavier Woods. Yeah, that was a good Xavier. week of Twitter buzz. Exactly, <laughs> Xavier Woods. Like everybody wanted to rush and get him because nobody wanted to draft like Henderson because the because of the way that his 2020 season ended. There's just no way that he was going to be able to be a useful fantasy like fantasy producer, and he was. 
I mean, for the most part, until he got injured himself, which everybody kind of predicted coming into it. But I'm not 100% sold on Cam Akers. Like, please don't come at my mentions or whatever. And I'm not Me a either. Cam Akers hater. I'm, I'm not, but I'm just saying that over the course of the, uh, the NFL playoffs, I mean, Cam Akers, like he was starting to lose work, like to the other running backs that were in that backfield. This was a team that Cam Akers was supposed to be the most efficient receiving back, like on that team. He was losing targets, like throughout the playoffs. I mean, this was a team that was also passing more and more in the red zone, and Cam Akers was not a part of that. So if the receiving game is not going to be a thing for him moving forward, because now that they have A-Rob, we don't know if they're going to bring back Odo Beckham after his injury stuff gets that. We know what Cooper Cup can be, Van Jefferson, all these other guys, Tyler Higby, insert name here. So if the targets are now in question, Daryl Henderson was a much more efficient running back last year. He was seventh in success rate, according to Football Outsiders. So where's the rushing production going to come from in order to sustain Akers' current ADP? That gap between Akers, who's going in, what, the third-ish round, and Daryl Henderson, who's all the way down at RB47, I, I do not I do, I do not understand that, like, one bit. So I, I would be much happier taking a running back attached to an efficient offense, which we still believe the Rams to be, and go for and just go from there, especially when we know that if Akers does have a setback, Henderson can be the guy to come in and take over that workload. As of right now, there's no competition behind him in order to really push him for a 1A, 1B, like a Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams type of situation. So, I mean, Henderson fits that profile for me, which is why I'm targeting him so much in best ball right now. And he's cheap. He's super affordable. You can grab him way late. He's a nice target in that way. I love me some Cam Akers, and I'm rooting for him, but it's hard to argue uh, with your facts there, Chris. You and your facts. Bringing <laughs> me it. my facts. <laughs> uh, Dean Martin used to say, if you're going to use logic, if you're going to argue with logic, I don't want to chit-chat. That's what he used there to say. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm targeting Naheem Hines. You talked about that Colts offense mm-hmm. and Matt Ryan. Uh, per Sports Info Solutions, Matt Ryan targeted the running back last year the second most in the league behind Justin Herbert. Uh, now, obviously, a lot of that's because Cordero Patterson was the guy and he was suddenly a running back. So that's uh, that's part of it. But still, Matt Ryan traditionally targeted Devontae Freeman a ton in the passing game all those years, targeted even Tevin Coleman uh, in that one-two punch that they had. So Matt Ryan can use the running back. Naheem Hines got paid last year, so they want him in the offense. He's good. Uh, catching the ball, had a down year. He was the RB53 last year. But the year before, he was the RB20 in .5 PPR. And he's being drafted right now uh, as the RB48. That's where he's being drafted. So you can draft him for basically what he was last year with the upside of of RB22 years ago and now he's got that quarterback imp- uh, improvement. I think the Colts offense in general will be better. And if you look, he's kind of on an every other year track. Like he was the RB49 in 2019, he was RB33 in 2018. So I you know, I think he's going to be a value no matter where you get him and I think you're going to get the spike weeks that you saw in 2020. You're going to get those again this year as he finds the end zone in a better offense. So I like Hines. <laughs> no, I 100% agree with you. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, last season, uh, Naheem Hines was top 12 in both yards per route run per attempt and also top 12 uh, in uh, an average depth of target for all running backs last year. So think about that. He wasn't just catching just like dump offs or anything like that. He was actually running like legitimate routes. That's why we've seen 
already reports about, I mean, of course, like we were talking before the show, it's, it's fluff piece season. It's best shape of, you know, their life like season. That's what it is right now. But seeing reports or tweets about Naheem Hines lining up with the wide receivers. I mean, those things have already started to circulate. Chris Ballard coming out and saying they're going to get him involved. Frank Reich, I think, literally quoted saying if he was in a fantasy football league, he would be drafting Naheem Hines. And this is going <laughs> like way far back. But Frank Reich has been, what, an offensive coordinator since like 2015 or offensive coordinator head coach since 2015. In 2015, when he was part of the San Diego Chargers at that point, the two running backs on that team were Melvin Gordon and Danny Woodhead. And if I had to guess or look at what he currently has right now, like with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, like those two running backs fit like that archetype of player more so than any other pairing that he's currently had. Because think about the running backs that they had in Philadelphia. What, Ryan Matthews, like uh, LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, I mean, Darren Sproul, sure, but just like never that combination of two backs that could be a slasher or like a power back, but then also have a shifty pass catching back as well with some speed to them. So it's just in that year in 2015, like with the chargers, they were first in uh, targets to the running back wall in the red zone. Now, of course that was Philip rivers, but, but like Still. Matt Ryan back then, like Matt Ryan now and Philip rivers back in 2015, it's not all too dissimilar. Mm. So it's just, I I'm pretty high on Naheem Hines. So I'm with you there, man. I, I like Philip Rivers. Yeah, he, from a fantasy perspective, he was like the yeah. epitome of the guy you get late who finishes as the QB twelve. Oh like, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, did you guys see the Naeem Hines Tavon Austin clip he from last him. year? Yeah, it, it was yeah. so cool. He was like, "That's Tavon Austin. I'm the biggest fan of Tavon Austin. I gotta go say hi." And so it's it's like he's just like this fanboy going up to Tavon Austin. I love That's it. So I cool. love it. Yeah. It was so endearing. <laughs> I know because we look at them. Like saying, like, you know, you you people that have put this much time into a craft that we watch every, you know, Monday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, depending on when their games. But it's just like we watch you guys and to think that they have other players that they look up to. It's just that's so cool that seeing a moment like that. It was great. I just I love that kind of stuff. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Jen, let's go on to receivers. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Rams offense. I love Van Jefferson uh, mostly because I still have him on every dynasty roster just about that I have. So uh, I'm excited to see him in your article. Tell me what you like about your late round receivers. You know, actually, there's actually a lot of receivers. I had to cut down, you know, I had a list of like eight and I was like, all right, I got to like cut this down. But uh, I like Van Jefferson. Listen, Van Jefferson stepped up last year without really, you know, all of a sudden it's like Robert Woods is down, OBJ is down, and there's Van Jefferson. It was kind of an unexpected breakout, um, and he did great, I mean, in that situation. And now here he is. So Robert Woods is gone, obviously. OBJ is still a question mark. They brought in A-Rob, who, you know, we're not really sure. He's a fifth rounder right now. And then all of a sudden you get Van Jefferson into the 13th round. Like there's a huge gap there, and I feel like, you know, Cooper Cup, of course, is Cooper Cup, but he may not get the same volume. Teams have kind of figured that out. I mean, or, or you think might target him defensively. And so I feel like Van Jefferson is kind of someone that might reap the benefits there. And once again, as we keep talking about week 17, we've got that, you know, that Rams Chargers game in week 17 that, that could be a really nice game, a really nice shootout. And Van Jefferson is a guy that um, is super cheap and you can maybe get a piece of for that, you know, end of season spike. I love it. And, you know, Cooper Cup, I agree. He's going to be great and all that, but historically good seasons, it's 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 hard to go yeah. in and expecting a repeat. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, you know, it's not saying he's not going to be good. Might even be the wide receiver one. But, like, his season last year was ridiculous. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, it's hard to expect that. Triple again. crown winner. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you've also got uh, Josh Palmer on the list, which I'll be honest, he's not the Chargers receiver I've been targeting late. I've been targeting uh, Guyton. Uh, yeah. You know, why Josh Palmer? Well, I think, I mean, I've been kind of doing a sprinkle of both, but I don't know. I just kind of, I think Palmer, uh, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I, I seem to like him better, but I think they're kind of interchangeable. It's tough to really tell. But I think it just for either of them, really, the argument is once again, that week 17 game, you've got Justin Herbert, you've got a, you know, a high powered offense that we're expected to happen again. Uh, Mike Williams is, you know, not the most durable. Keenan Allen, not the most durable. So you've got both of those guys there. Uh, and you now have Jared Everett or Gerald Everett in the mix, too, who's, you know, a guy that I like as well. So I feel like, you know, Palmer and Gainwell are, are Gainwell, geez, <laughs> where that came from. Palmer and Guyton. Yeah. Palmer and Guyton. I told you I really like Gainwell this year. <laughs> but uh, Palmer and Guyton are, you know, they're being drafted, I think, in a in similar tier. And, and I feel like I've just been kind of intermixing both. I, I probably should have put Slash and put Guyton in there, too, because I feel like, you know, it's tough to really know which one of them is going to be, you know, the guy. But I feel like you know, one of them, if not both, are going to have, you know, those good weeks. They're not going to be good every week. We, we've mentioned that several times already in this podcast, and we're not looking for that at this point, you know, in the 15th round. But I think that they're both at least in an offense where they have the ability to put up those points. Spike weeks, spike weeks, spike weeks. Chris, which one do you like? Oh, Palmer for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, this is going back to, again, I've been kicking around this idea for a while. I just haven't found a way to put this into one article that doesn't turn into some sort of like, I don't know, master's thesis, but just the idea of targeting the shorter a dot or just the wide receiver that could take on a more diverse role, like in their offense. And that's why my guy that I've been targeting in the late rounds for a wide receiver has been KJ Osborne. Uh, cause KJ Osborne's average depth of target was 10.9. Like, cause we saw him take over at least some, uh, some spots for Adam Thielen when Adam Thielen was injured. He can also play on the outside, but more as a flanker versus being a, the, you know, guy that's going to take on more of the like man or press coverage. But those are the types of targets that we want. Like we know that we want to try and get high leverage targets or like easy targets, like from a quarterback. And I mean, we saw Josh Palmer take over Keenan Allen's role. Right. Like when Keenan Allen was out, like for I think it was like he missed the one game because of COVID. And that's where we saw Josh Palmer really start to shine. And in the event that anybody were to go down in that offense, I mean, sure, Jalen Guyton is fine because he might be able to get you those splash plays. And I believe it was either that same week or the week after where we saw both of them actually wind up hitting. I think both of them had a touchdown in that in that game. And so but it was Palmer getting more targets. Guyton getting like the deep target. And if I'm remembering correctly, it was the ridiculous, uh, I think Herbert rolls to his right throws from the right hash to the left and then hits Guyton in stride for like a 40 yard touchdown. Great which, play. It was just a ridiculous play. I mean, shows off Herbert's arm talent, but also the Guyton's utility from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, but overall, I mean, that's, but those are the guys that I'm, that I'm trying to target. Like those guys that already have that diverse skill set already in their bag. And once they get there out there on the field, sure, they can be put in the slot. So KJ Osborne in the slot, but we've also seen him get hit on deep plays as well. Palmer gets hit on deep plays, also involved in the red zone. So it's just, if you already kind of have that mixture of, at the very least, a top 24 upside already built into what you do on the field, I mean, that's what I, I want to get. Because if I can get that sustained type of production, so let's say if they start to get out there on the field more, they're converting more plays. They have high efficiency attached to them because that's what 
Palmer had. He had the higher yards per route run than, than Jalen Guyton. So just that's what I'm trying to look for, and that's what gets you on the field more, and that's what can get you more fancy points, so on and so forth. So between them, K.J. Osborne, I mean, those are the guys that I'm trying to target there in the late rounds, especially with Minnesota's like passing offense. Sure, it's going to be Justin Jefferson in the first round. He's essentially my wide receiver one at this point. Me Adam too. Thielen, because we already know that he's just going to score like on a 13 touchdowns per season because like regression just is never going to come for him. But if there's going to be a third target somewhere in there, because I'm not as sold on the Irv Smith breakout year, even though we've been waiting for it for like three or four years now, it's going to be KJ Osborne for me, just because the price is so much cheaper than all the rest of the guys. And we know Kirk Cousins is good for at least a few like 350 yard games at some point in the season. Yeah. Thielen, not exactly an Iron Man either at right. this point in his career. Yeah. So, uh, Jen, you had one more to go to, which I'm kind of excited about. Tell us about that last one. It's tough to even say it out loud, to be honest, but I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking myself into Robbie Anderson for like the 90th year in a row. Um, <laughs> listen, you know what? There's nobody else. I mean, you've got DJ Moore and then nothing in Carolina. I mean, obviously there's McCaffrey too, but I mean, Robbie Anderson is their, you know, he's their wide receiver too. I mean, the guy could end up with like triple digit targets and nobody's drafting him. He's, you know, his ADP right now is 177. He's in the 15th round. And yes, I'm aware that they, the quarterback situation is not ideal or even kind of ideal, but someone's going to have to throw the ball. And I feel like, you know, for as cheap as Robbie Anderson is, uh, the targets have the potential to be there. So why not, you know, draft him? And, you know, if it is, if it ends up being Darnold, him and Darnold do have this rapport. They've put up really good numbers in the past. It's been a while, but they did, you know, they did it in New York. And I feel like, you know, we can potentially have some of those, you know, good weeks from Robbie. And so, you know, it's tough because he's let us down the last couple of years. But for as absolutely dirt cheap as he is, you got to at least draft him a little bit. Just last year, really, I, I will say this about Robbie. I said this about Cooper Cup, like historically great season, hard to repeat. Robbie Henderson had like an, a historically weird poor production season. He had 110 targets. He had more targets than Chase Claypool, more targets than Tyler Lockett, Devontae Smith. Like he had 110 targets last year. He just only caught 53 of them. Now, obviously, like you said, the quarterback's bad. Yeah, he's available way late. I'm with you, Jen. Like it's for the cost. Like why not? Yeah. Why not yeah. throw him on there? There's nobody else there. Uh, Terrace Marshall's there, but he's, he profiles as a slot. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. The, um, the receiver I'm going to go with for my late round is Donovan Peoples-Jones. I just think that we're a year too late on the breakout. Uh, not a whole lot of other options out there. Uh, re respect to David Bell, the uh, the Purdue kid that people love. Uh, but he was pretty good in, uh, in, in little flashes on plays that you see. He had three 10-plus fantasy point spike games last year. He had two as a rookie. And now he gets Deshaun Watson, who uh, we, we can talk about all the problems with Deshaun Watson, but... If and when he's on the field, he is a dynamite quarterback, and he uh, will create big-time plays for somebody of that much speed. Uh, he's available in the 16th round as the wide receiver 81, and he's the wide receiver 2 on that team, which doesn't make any sense to me. 18.8 yards per target through two years. Uh, I just think the upside is great for those exact spike weeks that we're looking for late round. Uh, 16th round, Donovan Peoples-Jones. He, he's going to be on almost every best ball roster I have just because I'm going to be staring at him in the 16th round. I'm going to say, why not? He's the wide receiver too. So that's my guy. That's my wide receiver. <laughs> All right, let's, let's go to tight end. We talked uh, briefly about Irv Smith, but uh, Jen, what do you like about Irv Smith? 
I listen, I, I liked him last year and he got hurt and I, I like him this year. I think we've got an aging Adam Thielen. I think we have, you know, I mean, Justin Jefferson is great. And, and like you guys said, he is, you know, potentially the wide receiver one, but I feel like Irv is in a good spot. And we also have, you know, the, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So the, the new, the new head coach, Kevin O'Connell actually said, you know, that he wants to get him more involved and he's going to be a major part of what they do. And I know it's just coach mm-hmm. speak, but even without that, I'm just down with Irv. He's super cheap. He's, you know, he's, a late round guy. I'm I'm on the late round tight end train this year. Yeah. I'm really not. I'm not drafting early. Um, I'm waiting. And you know, we saw with uh, Best Ball Mania last year, advance rate that actually the you know more teams advanced that dra- that started rounds twelve or later with tight end more so than guys that took an early and a late or a middle and a late. So I feel like you know if you're gonna if you're gonna go that route and you're going to wait that long, his ADP right now is one forty one. And he's healthy, and I think he's you know in a good spot. I feel like you, you kind of get the injury dip there on him. A lot of people are scared of him because he got hurt last year, but I think that yes, you know Osborne is there, and and what Olabizi Johnson is still there. But I feel like you know, and Tyler Conklin is gone, so he has no actual competition at his at his position. So I'm down with Irv. Um, another guy that I like, uh, I'm just going to go ahead because I know you're going to ask me, so I'm just going to keep talking. I'm going to pull a Chris and just keep going for as long as I can. I'm just Again. I'm Have just, at it, Jen. Have I'm at just it. kidding. You know I love you, Chris. Um, so David Njoku, you know, he just got paid, and he's like like you were just saying, you were just mentioning with Cleveland, uh, Brandon, there's not a lot of guys there. And so I feel like because they franchised him and they paid him, I feel like he's now there. Because, you know, there's been some work for tight, at tight end at Cleveland in the last, you know, last yeah. year at least. Yep. So I feel like he's their guy. Uh, you know, he's definitely athletic, right? We know this. Um, so I think, you know, this may be the breakout year. And he's cheap. Like, I wouldn't pay up for him or anything. But his ADP right now is 160, so why not? Um, my, th- my last guy in the tight end room here is Hayden Hurst and Cincy. I feel like. He's super cheap too. I mean, his ADP is 184, and uh, you know we saw last year that they did use the tight end um, when they when they could, and so I think that you know Hurst is free from Kyle Pitts, and he's on a new team, and he's cheap, and it's a good way to kind of stack and get a cheaper piece of that because both Chase and Higgins are are not cheap, and then you've got Boyd. So I feel like you know Hurst is a good way to get a piece of that offense if you want it and cheap. I, I'm with you. I've been, uh, especially on Njoku. I've, I've, I'm with you on Njoku. I, I'm not even a Browns guy. I just, uh, like you said, the cost. They're just so cheap, and uh, they clearly like him. They just signed him to all the money, so it, it's crazy. Um, and I'm with you. I've been drafting three tight ends uh, late. That's kind of been my approach in best ball so far. And I have a lot of each of the, the three guys <laughs> that you mentioned, yep. uh, as well as the guy that uh, I'm going to mention. I have none of the guy that Chris is going to mention. Chris, uh, who's your guy that you're targeting late? Uh, Tyler Higby. I I don't get it, to be quite honest. Uh, he was, I would think, if I'm remembering correctly, like 14th or 15th like over across all tight ends in just terms of raw target share. So around a 15, 60% target share last season with the Rams. And this is a team that was top five in both pass rate over expectation and pass rate over expectation in the red zone. And now I get like, we talked about Cooper cup. We talked about Van Jefferson. And then of course we all know like what Allen Robinson like can do, assuming that, you know, he's not just completely beaten down from being with the bears for like the past couple of seasons, but that's a lot of wide receivers to try and try and get with. And of course the running backs that we mentioned as well, but Tyler Higby in his own right 
I mean, solid as a pass catcher, like from an efficiency standpoint. And so I get that there still comes some concern regarding his, he had the MCL sprain, if I'm remembering correctly, against, was that in the, uh, against the 49ers, right? I think that's when he injured it and he wound up actually having to miss the Super Bowl game, but MCL sprain, not tear. So the expectation would be that he'll be available and ready in order to resume practice. Like once they actually get into like legitimate training camp, haven't heard anything about a setback so far. So this is a like relatively integral piece of the Rams passing attack. That's going fairly late in drafts. So like the Daryl Henderson topic from earlier, we know that he's connected to a good offense. We know that the targets are going to be there and they've historically been there. That's just raw targets. We haven't even gotten into his red zone participation as well. I kind of want a piece of that. So if I could, again, pair him with any of the uh, tight ends that you would draft in the middle round. So insert, you know, Dallas Goddard, Dalton Schultz, or whomever you would want to like draft in the earlier rounds, pair him with a guy like him late that we know can pop up for a top 12 week at any given moment throughout the season. It just seems like a good bet on my part. You're absolutely right in every way. And uh, all my redraft and dynasty squads would kill me if I continued to add Tyler Higby to. <laughs> yeah. Redraft. It's an absolute nightmare because we already know that he's going to have those like three for 26 games and we're just going to stare at it like, why did the I even bother to do it? Yeah, it's just the wrong yeah, week, bro. Like, I don't want week. this. Yeah. But in best ball, <laughs> I'd just rather just go ahead and draft him. Don't have to worry about it. And then if he pops up for, like, you know, a good game or whatever, where he gets that six for 70 and a touch, I'll just be like, oh, yeah, I got him on a few best ball teams. I'm covered. Thousand percent correct. Yeah. Best ball Thank you, been- Tyler. Oh. Yeah. Poor Jen had to hear me complain about Tyler Higby every week last week. I was just going to say, yeah. you are your recency bias is like enormously. Yeah, I know. There's no way you're drafting Higby. Yeah, don't listen to me about Tyler Higby. Uh, another guy, maybe don't listen to me because I was dead wrong last year. Gerald Everett's my guy I'm targeting again. Uh, I like him in this offense. Jared Cook is gone. Uh, so the Chargers out there. Uh, great offense that there's a clear depth chart in front of him. He's going as the tight end 22. So he's available in the 15th round. Uh, and per SIS, uh, Justin Herbert, fifth most targets, to the tight end position last year. So uh, we know he's going to throw, we know he can find the tight end. And I think Gerald Everett uh, recovers from that lost season in Seattle. And in, in, uh, now that he's in LA, I was just going to say, you just got to hope he doesn't like self-destruct. Like remember that one game where he had like, yeah. he, he caused like three turnovers himself. Oh yeah. Something that's right. ridiculous. Yeah. Just like brutal. Like, yeah. Just so brutal. Like, is Jared Cook, is he going to finally retire? Can he just like retire know. and just waltz into the hall of fame? My guess is he gets into the hall of fame. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I think he, I think he's gonna play this year. I don't yeah, think I think done. we're gonna get an injury in August or something, and someone will grab. And he's gonna Gronk. try and come back. Yeah, well, he'll end okay. up on like the Bucks when Gronk doesn't come back or when. Gronk, yeah, is he gonna happens. be like the? Oh man, I I forget his name. What was that long time uh, New England tight end that just like would never he would never retire? Um, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Like, can't, can't, it's not Ben Coates. It was the guy after Ben Coates. Yeah. Wasn't his name also Ben or something like that? Or uh, Ben Watson? Yeah, ben, 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 ben Watson. Ben Watson. Thank you. Ben Watson. Thank you. Ben Watson. Thank thank you. Watson. Yeah. Well, because be like he's, he's a UGA guy, so I always yeah. remember that. <laughs> yeah. He's probably going to be like him. He's just going to keep coming back like every year or something like I that. I think Ben Watson is still around, actually. He could be a free agent I feel just, like, like waiting for the phone Ravens, call. Like last year or maybe the year before. Maybe. Would not surprise me. But I just feel like, yeah, I mean, you know, Cook, I mean, Jared just like, you know, call to 
called a career, man. Like, you know, got a couple of rings. I mean, he's, you know, had a pretty solid career, if I'm remembering right. Pretty good career for Jared Cook. Absolutely. Yeah. Had some elite oh. years there for a little while. Definitely some elite games. He's like Mr. Spike Week. So, yeah, for sure. Um, this was fun. I, I appreciate we're out of time. Uh, I, I want to sit and just yammer out about late rounds. I feel like late round targets are more fun than the rest of the because they're because they're guys that you don't have to like the draft doesn't need to fall right for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could just target and be like, that's my guy. Right. I will say, though, I do get annoyed when I get sniped on one of these guys. Like, I'm waiting. I'm like, all right, I'm getting this guy. And then someone snipes him yeah. like in the. They'll snipe him in like the 14th round, and I felt yeah. like I was gonna get him in the yeah. 17th. I'm like, dude, no, what are you doing? Because yeah. there's so much more, I would say it's more opinion based about the late round guys, and the, it's almost like rookie drafts in a sense where like yeah. these are your guys, like these mm-hmm. are guys that you're either excited about their situation, or you just happen to hear like a really cool blurb about them, or you just think that they're cool people, or whatever the case may be. But it's just like you were saying, Jen, it's much less uh adp dependent like once you get into those late rounds it turns into the wild west and people are just like happy to grab oh i'm just gonna take him three take rounds yeah take I'm just gonna, like, guy. my guy yeah <laughs> zachity zach that's that's the guy i'm gonna take him i'm gonna take i'm gonna take a lot of zach wilson i think he's gonna have those spike weeks i'm excited um i will stop because uh, mercifully i will stop so that uh we can finish on time uh, but thank you, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for listening to us, and have a good day. <laughs>